Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In today's podcast, you will hear from leading experts who discuss the importance of addressing post-transplant complications, drawing focus on current treatment approaches for graft-versus-host disease. First, you will hear from Charles Craddock, who comments on how post-transplant complications, including GVHD, may impact patient quality of life and the importance of addressing these concerns. I think for many patients who have a transplant, there is a sentiment that we don't pay sufficient attention to quality of life in people who survive a transplant. Now, there are obvious areas where more research needs to be done in terms of preventing graft-versus-host disease or treating it more effectively. And, of course, the uh, advent of the GRFS, the graft-versus-host disease relapse-free survival as a pivotal endpoint, is now emphasizing the importance of delivering a transplant that doesn't give patients severe graft-versus-host disease. There are a number of other areas of late effects, of course, which are very important. And these include second malignancies, cataract formation, and uh, also uh, endocrine disturbances. But I, I think the other area that many patients would point to is the psychological stress and attendant complexities of going through, first of all, induction chemotherapy and then a transplant. And one of the really interesting tractable questions, I think, is whether through various psychological interventions or counseling or um, uh, treatment strategies, you could actually decrease the psychological morbidity associated with a transplant. And I think randomized studies of potential interventions is long overdue. So our attention has uh, increasingly become on trying to reduce the risk of relapse. And that's really important because you have to live long enough to get these complications. But I think there's now this opportunity with new strategies for GVHD prophylaxis to be thinking about reducing the risk of acute and chronic GVHD. And then we hope moving on to thinking about improving quality of life. Next, Shannon Holton highlights unmet needs in GVHD and comments on future considerations for its treatment. So there are still several unmet needs in graft-versus-host disease. We do have better prophylaxis regimens now, in part shown by this phase three study, as well as their recent FDA approval of abatacept. So prophylaxis is absolutely improving, but we still have significant problems with established graft-versus-host disease. We still have a large cohort of patients with chronic graft-versus-host disease where there is significant um, problems with mobility, muscle strength, quality of life, and then all of the problems that come with immunosuppression, including the risk of infections and even the risk of relapse. So our field needs to continue to focus on graft-versus-host disease treatments that are not very immunosuppressive. If we can focus on regenerative medicine, hopefully we can restore some of the organ function that's damaged by the disease without increasing their infection risk and improving their quality of life. And so I think regenerative medicine is really going to address that major unmet need in chronic graft-versus-host disease. 
Lastly, you will hear from Anna Sarita and Christopher Kanakri, who discuss current approaches to GVHD prophylaxis and treatment and novel agents being explored. GVHD um, now moving into a different setting, which is the allogeneic stem cell transplantation setting. Of course, GVHD has been uh, since the very beginning uh, one of the most important and relevant complications of the procedure, and it's one of the most important causes of morbidity and eventually mortality of those patients that are candidates for an allogeneic stem cell transplantation. We have to talk about uh, GBHD prophylaxis, of course, trying to prevent GBHD, and of course, GBHD treatment. If we talk just a little bit about GBHD prophylaxis, I basically want to mention the uh, role of uh, cyclophosphamide post allogeneic stem cell transplantation, um, that uh, it's really a very interesting and a very effective uh, way of abrogating not only acute but chronic GBHD after transplant that was initially used in the setting of aploidentical stem cell transplantation, which has gained specific interest in the last few years. But now this concept of cyclopost that basically has the objective to kill the rapidly proliferating T-cell lymphocyte compartment, which is the responsible one for the GBHD while preserving the dormant T-cell compartment, which is responsible uh, for um, engraftment after transplant and for the graft versus leukemia effect. So this cyclopost has been transferred or it's being used not only in the aploidentical donor setting, but also in the match and mismatch unrelated donor setting and eventually in the HLA identical sibling donor setting. So this is one area that uh, probably we will know more about it. What about the treatment of acute and chronic GBHD? So first-line treatment strategies are based on corticosteroids, but unfortunately, um, um, there are uh, patients that are corticosteroid refractory. They represent a big unmet medical need. Uh, but nowadays, we have uh, several drugs that basically are targeting uh, different molecular pathways that have a clinical uh, relevance in the development of acute and chronic GBHD that uh, represent new hopes for the patients, some of them, um, such as ruxolitamine uh, on the basis of phase three prospective clinical trials have already been approved by the regulatory agencies and um, we are able to use them in our patients outside prospective clinical trials. Uh, but there are really new drugs that are bringing really exciting results and that hopefully will be able to be used in the near future outside prospective clinical trials. There's a diverse array of, of different approaches to graft-resistant disease prophylaxis, and these include other drugs that may impact on um, alloreactive T-cell sort of functionality um, or survival in the early post-transplant period, 
going back over a half century, methotrexate uh, was really one of the, the first drugs that showed efficacy in decreasing graft-first host disease, and then that was then used in combination with a calcineur inhibitor, initially cyclosporin or later tacrolimus. And those had a substantial impact on reducing severe forms of acute graft-first host disease, but ultimately did not make a big impact on preventing chronic graft-first host disease. And this has been a, a major effort within the field. Fortunately, post-transplantation cyclophosphamide does seem to reduce the risks and severity of chronic graft-first host disease, but there are alternative strategies to do that, such as T-cell depletion, either, either in the graft itself, ex vivo, um, so to, to deplete it in the graft and then infuse in the patient, or in the patient in vivo with medications like antithymus, like globulin ATG, or alemtuzumab, or other things that will kill those T-cells within the body and reduce um, both acute as well as chronic graft-versus host disease. These three approaches really ha have had the biggest impact on reducing chronic graft-versus disease, although there are other um, medications that have been used uh, to try to, to mitigate um, acute graft-versus host disease. The one that's, I think, had the biggest impact recently is Abatacept, which is a co-stimulatory molecule blockade, um, which is able to reduce acute graft-versus disease, although it doesn't show an impact on chronic graft-versus disease. But other drugs like um, JAK inhibitors um, and others are also being tested for this purpose. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJHemonk and subscribe to VJHemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. Until next time.